0: Uh, so a couple of notices today, you will see at the front, uh, we have the baskets, but we also have the little signs underneath because today uh, is the third of our giving days. Uh, so we've had two uh, during the course of this year. Um, and we said at the very start of the year that we wanted to have some special uh, special offerings to support leadership, uh, development, to support community, uh, and to support discipleship. So obviously we're still in, a, in an environment where we're not gonna have people meandering around the building. Uh, but the details are there. Uh, if you uh, want to give online, then the, the, the bank details are there, and on the website. Uh, if you want to give physically, uh, then the, um, the baskets are there as well today. And if you are a taxpayer and you have never done a gift day before, there are some envelopes where you can put your name uh, and, uh, and details down there so that we can recover 25% of time, which is even better. Uh, but I really want us to just pray um, for the giving. So God has been incredibly faithful uh, to us this year, uh, as trustees, we we started the year really thinking, what is the world going to bring for us? Uh, but God has been faithful. God has uh, helped uh, rise up new leaders. He has blessed us tremendously uh, with resources, and that has enabled us to give out uh, to things um, uh, as as part of New ground as part of the body of Christ. So I just want to pray that God is stirring us again for for our resources. Uh, for for our input, for those who serve, for those who want to develop in, in leadership. So Father I pray Lord that you would, you would stir our hearts. Yeah. Father I thank you that you are an incredibly faithful God. Yeah. That you do not let us fall. Father that you love to bless us. And Father that you have set us on a mission in this town mm-hmm. and more widely Lord God as part of your wider family. So Father I pray Lord as they, to help us Lord in terms of uh, reaching out to those that are lost. Lord, to reaching out to those that are needy, to reaching out for those that are poor, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Father, that you have blessed us. And Father, as we commit this to you this morning, Father, I pray that you would continue to bless us and those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so two other things. Christmas dates for your diary, if you haven't already had have them. Uh, 12th of December... Uh, we have the family service uh, and then on the 19th we have two services all back-to-back uh, for our carol service One at 4 o'clock and one at 6.30 um, So events you can invite your friends to, uh, they'll be great times um, make sure in your diary. Uh, Ian, the bookshop, the pop-up bookshop
1: Good morning everyone Good to see you all here. Now I'm sure you're as excited as I am that today is the launch of the Hope Church Book Stall Shop Bookshop. It's a stall, really. Stall. It's a book stall. The bookstall is being launched today, so I'm sure you'll be excited about that. Um, at the moment, we're only operating on cash. Uh, this week, we're going to get a card machine by next week, maybe. Um, but. There's some really great books over there. There's some great gifts for Christmas. I just wanted to recommend three books for you uh, to start with. The Dawn of Redeeming Grace, which is a uh, daily devotional through Advent for adults. Uh, a great one for teenagers. 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity. Uh, I've read the, um, another book by this lady, Rebecca McLaughlin, on uh, questions about Christianity. Really great book to equip uh, your teenagers Um, And this is what this bookshop is for, bookshop stall, is for, is to equip us, um, that they are family devotionals as well, to help us sit down with our children and study the word of God. And lastly, this one is what um, myself and my family will be going through uh, this Christmas, is the adventure of Christmas. It is again an Advent um, devotional to go through with the whole family so this is what it's for to help us to equip us to help us uh, learn more from the Word of God so uh, take a look at the end uh, the wonderful Emma is going to be manning the bookstore at the end
0: uh, let's she- welcome Andre, Andre's going to share with us this morning Father we thank you Lord for uh, the blessing and the gifting that you've given this man Father I pray Lord that as he comes to speak to us this morning that you would use your words and his words to speak powerfully into our hearts we pray that you bless us in jesus name amen
2: amen amen thank you right it's a privilege as always to be here i was going to say on this glorious morning but typical i look through the window and the morning has changed a lot since i arrived at church uh, today but it's still a glorious day for us uh, to be together. So um, thank you for being here. Uh, I really pray and believe that the Lord will journey with each one of you as we go through this. Um, I think there was there was clear word this morning as well uh, about the Lord really reaching out to each one of us because he knows where each one of us uh, find ourselves. And um, I really pray that your heart will be open for him to hear to for you to hear his voice today. Um, As you know, we're carrying on through the series in Luke. um, And as Ian said last time, it's actually coming up to three years, which make a lot of sense, isn't it? Because that was the time of Jesus' ministry on earth anyway. So we've kind of stepped in pace uh, with that quite well. Um, And what we look at today is really just a a short few verses that could we could easily miss the events that that we find um, in between the lines because it's just described in a few verses in all four gospels. Actually, we talk about the burial of Christ um, and what happens uh, there. But before we focus on that, I thought I'll, I'll try to bring you into the events and just recap of where we are and where we got to. Uh, at this point, and if you were allowing me to do that, and, uh, and humor me for a bit, I'm going to try to take you here on an imaginary journey, um, just to bring it perhaps to life, from where, we, where we are today. So, if it helps you, you need to close your eyes to, to see the images, <laughs> go for it, but okay. So you have just come back, it's Friday, you've just come back from a week away on holiday, in the lovely Cornwall, or even perhaps Portugal, or some other tropical place. And you're just stepping in. You have been away, you've switched off Wi-Fi or mobile data because you really wanted peace and just want to rest. A week of not being connected to the world at all. Over the last three years, you've been on a journey with Ian Lettington and a few other helpers that took you on a journey through an amazing message of freedom that has really settled you into a space of rest. Understand what salvation is about. As you walk into a house, you switch on the tally and BBC News at six is just coming up. And as you walk past, the headline comes up, Ian Lettington executed. It stops you in your tracks and you say, what has just happened? And then the reporter continues to give the following report. And he says, um, on Sunday, Mr. Lettington arrived in London to the cheers of an ever-increasing mob of loyal followers, followers of his teaching. On Monday, he stormed into the Houses of Parliament and disrupted proceedings there, accusing the leaders of um, all kinds of corruption and malpractice. He continued to undermine the authority of the leaders by challenging... What they were doing and what they were teaching this carried on for the next couple of days in london with all kinds of rallies and the mob just growing continuously challenging and telling people things that they seemed to want to hear the leaders had to take quick action and as it happened late last night ian lettington was arrested and the authorities moved quickly they had a bench of judges ready to run a trial during the night, and early this morning I can report that Ian Lettington was found guilty and sentenced. Humiliated by everyone in sight, he was executed a few hours later, and his family members laid him to rest at a private event, with only a few people in attendance the late afternoon. In you know other news, the French beat the All Blacks in Rugby. <laughs> You are stopped, and you're thinking, what has just happened? I was only away for six days, I was really carrying this message of truth, what has happened with this leader of mine? And folks, that's what we've been on in the last four to six weeks, we've been on a journey through a portion of Luke uh, with lots of things happening, but it actually only happened in a space of six days. Um, So if we, I mean, my life is fairly busy, and I just read this, and I'm exhausted already for what has just happened uh, in those few days in, in Jerusalem. So, so let's take that picture of the BBC News, and we take it back to the time in Jerusalem, and we just reflect on on what we saw there. We saw Jesus coming in on the Sunday, which we now refer to as Palm Sunday, with crowds of people singing praise to God and bringing honor. And yes. On the Monday he went into the temple and he threw over all the training that was going on there and he started to teach and he started to challenge. He is being challenged with all kinds of difficult questions which he handled but constantly he's talking about the judgment day that's come. Constantly through a number of parables over the next few days he's teaching about salvation. But at the same time he's in the face of the leaders all the time because he he challenged Um, their hypocrisy in in all of that. And then we come to this point, and late on Thursday afternoon, where um, Jesus and his disciples are sitting down for the Passover meal. They retire to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prays in agony, as we know. And then late that night, the mob arrives to arrest him. And, I mean, so much happens here in a short space. It's so difficult to summarize. But they take it back to the Jewish leaders um, where the leaders have already gathered in readiness for a trial, as Ian took us through, a trial that was not in accordance with the rules of the day anyway. Yeah. So they go through that and, and listen to the time frame. I mean, this is happening really just overnight here until they can get to the Roman leaders early morning to get Jesus found guilty and sentenced. death and this is fascinating that in a space of nine to ten hours from jesus's arrest he finds himself on the way to be crucified sentenced found guilty to be crucified that is where jerusalem finds himself on this evening friday evening of that week of fire So let's turn to to the scripture now. we look at the the part that we're specifically going to focus on today. I'm going to pick it up a few verses earlier just to connect with uh, what Ian spoke about last week. So I'm going to read through from Luke 23, verse 44 to 56. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women, who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good but upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the Kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cutting the rock, one in which no one had been laid. It was Preparation Day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment." That's our reading for the day. I want to interrupt myself just because there's a few things I'm not going to focus on, but I think it's useful to point it out. Um, So we just go back to, not that far, to that, um, uh, when when we read about what the people saw, that they went away beating their breasts, I mean, we're not quite sure, are that in sorrow, is that in joy, that something that happened that they were hoping to happen, Uh, but clearly people are upset or um, find this a a, a very emotional uh, time. There's also, um, when we read about this verse in verse 55, you know, sometimes you watch a movie, and when you watch it the second time, you see something that you're like, ah, I didn't spot that at the start of the movie, which means something further on suddenly makes sense. This verse, the woman who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Quite important for the authenticity of Jesus' resurrection. Because on Sunday morning, they go to the grave where they know Jesus was laid down and he's not there. Um, So anyone that wants to dispute, perhaps they went to the wrong grave. No, they they were there. They saw what happened there. Little inserts like this uh, that is is quite important. We will dwell on what um, Joseph did here. But I find it fascinating that, at least in Luke's version of it, he describes a lot of things in a very few words. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in the tomb. I mean, there's a lot that needs to happen for, for that to take place, and uh, we will we will look into that. So, as I said, I mean there is actually a lot of weight uh, in this moment, in those last few hours on on this Friday afternoon. Uh, we can't miss the fact that when Jesus died, there were three hours of darkness, that the veil was torn, um, and and. I always find it so fascinating, it's a real privilege to prepare for a day like this because I do a lot of reading in the process and there's lots of people that's trying to uh, say that this is not actually what happened, it's symbolic and and stuff like that and then it's fascinating to find all kinds of other historical reading and writing that actually confirms these things. Um, Even the Jewish writing writes 40 years later about strange events that happened in the temple 40 years ago. So at the time the temple was destroyed, there were writings that talked about events of 40 years ago, which obviously was about at the time uh, of Jesus' crucifixion. So, so it's just fascinating to see these things happening and seeing God in motion at, at this very, very important time uh, in, in the history of mankind. Um, and then we see Joseph coming in. now. Um, I have to say, when I read through this and I see all of a lot of important stuff happening, um, I see the response of the people there, and and we have to emphasize and realize that, that I mean, there's no indication there that they were expecting the resurrection. So all of Jesus' teaching somehow is up in the air, and and some way we can't blame them for that. I mean, they've, they've just seen Jesus dying the most horrifying death. His body was beaten to such a state that he was almost unrecognisable. So the journey they've been on for the last three years have come to a point where they just potentially just have lost all hope So what has just happened to But then Joseph of Arimathea comes in and um, there's a few things we know about him. All of the Gospels write about him and I uh, you find different things said by the, the uh, different writers that sort of fill in the story for us a bit. So we know that he was a rich man. Matthew tells us that. Not too surprised, remember Matthew was the tax collector, so he can probably spot a rich man in my way. <laughs> so he tells us Joseph was a rich man. Both Mark and Luke record the fact that he was a member of the council, a member of the Sanhedrin. Um, they go as far in Mark to say he was a respected member of the Sanhedrin. Now that. Oh, They they were the court of the day. Those were the leaders within the Jewish environment that made sure that all the rules are applied. I mean, they were the bench of judges um, in the time. Luke tells us that he was a good and righteous man. That at least was his impression of, of who Joseph was. John says something interesting about him. He says he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish people. So here you have someone that believes but doesn't actually want the world to know. So hold on, hold on to that, hold on to that as we, as we journey along. We also find out that he didn't agree with the decision made by this group of leaders that he was part of. Um, not quite sure that whether he just abstained from voting or he wasn't there at all, but It is clear in in the writings that he didn't agree with what happened there. Um, We also understand that, as I said, he was part of this elite group and therefore quite a prominent person in in the community. And it strikes me that this is actually quite incredible and most likely orchestrated by God. Because then we read that he could approach Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. His prominence in society as a Jewish leader most likely gave him access uh, to the leader of the time. A normal person from the street may not have had the privilege of of getting that audience. Um, So I think that's quite important to see that as well. Um, One could also argue that he's probably responding um, out of duty, I'll fill that in a bit later, but the historical writings tell us that he was actually the great uncle of Jesus. And in the Jewish um, culture of the time, I mean, the family is responsible for the burial of, of family members, the full set of that, no funeral directors uh, at that time to do that. But there's also something uh, we know this is a man of the law, he understands uh, worth. And in Deuteronomy uh, 21, verse 22 to 23, we read the following. If someone commits a sin punishable by death and is executed, and you hang the corpse on a tree, his body must not remain all night on the tree. Instead, you must make it certain to bury them that same day, for the one who is left exposed on a tree is cursed by God. So, it is possible, but you will see a bit later, that he does more than just do his duty uh, as a family member. So, let's dive into it, and and Jeremy, yes you three points, Jim and I spoke the other day about three points or four points for my sermon, so you no. there's, just, there's just something that stands out for me for when we start to analyze what happens with Joseph here. So the first thing that happens is he goes public with what he believes, and that's a real risk. To him. If, if, if we know who he is, as a rich man, as a prominent man, as a man, as part of the council, going public and going to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. He effectively is most likely risking continuing in his position of prominence. So his social status is about to be destroyed. Um, And remember how important that was in that culture for him. So here we we have a man that is observing what's going on around it. We talked about it a bit earlier that John describes him as a, a disciple who was secretly so because of his fear for the Jewish people. He overcomes that fear and says, this is the end of it. I need to speak out here. I need to do what is necessary to go out. I think I see a cowardly disciple here turning into a courageous disciple. Someone that understands the weight of the moment and knows that he needs to do something about it. Remember that the other disciples ran away in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter followed, but we don't actually know where they are. They're probably in the crowd somewhere, but they're certainly not coming to the forefront. We don't see anyone else looking after Jesus um, at this time. I see a man that acts boldly, not afraid of what society is going to do. Not afraid of compromising his position. Someone that steps out for what he believes. I see a second thing here, I see that going public is costing him. Um, again linked to his prominence. Um, as a leader of the Jewish community, that's probably partly where his wealth is coming from. So, losing that prominence is putting that at risk. But also, he um, now needs to fund his old funeral. And this is where something profound happens for me. Because he doesn't just do the normal bureau. He asks for Jesus' body and then he spends a lot of money to buy linen cloth. And John records, in this instance, he had a bit of help from Nicodemus, but they had 75 kilograms in weight of oils and perfumes to prepare the body. He is preparing Jesus like he would prepare a king when he's done. Joseph, I think, steps out here. And he recognizes Jesus as a king, Mm -hmm. and he treats him as a king, at a cost to him, at a significant cost to him. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last bit is just to make it practical for us to think about what happened in that moment. Um, I was at one point thinking about showing some pictures, and as part of my preparation, I I watched. Um, parts of The Passion of the Christ, uh, a movie that was very vividly um, showing uh, the journey in the journey of Christ, but it's something that comes with the age restriction, something that couldn't easily show you. But it, but it also made me realize that going public for him here was dirty. Remember that um, he, he needed to remove a full-grown man from a cross. A man that has had a a crown of thorns on his head for a day. A man that had had, uh, nails through his hands, nails through his feet. A man that had a spear stuck into the side of his bow. A man that was executed in in the way that was done throughout the Roman Empire at the time, to the lowest, the lowest, the lowest of society. Those that were opposing the Roman authorities, that's how they died. That's how the slaves died. And no one cared. People on the cross at the time didn't have a bureau. They were just left there for the wild animals to sort them out. It's gruesome when you read also some of the Roman history around what happened around Rome, on the outskirts of Rome, where these executions happened. There was no expectation when Jesus was put on the cross that someone would take Him He was just going to stay there. Now the thing that then really struck me was that Joseph is doing all of this not knowing about Sunday. We read that he was expecting the Kingdom of God. We're not sure whether he believed all of what Jesus was teaching. There was a dispute. That's part of why how Jesus was uh, found guilty was this, this breaking down the temple and people believe that. So there's a lot of controversy about that. We are here today. We are on this side of the resurrection. We know that Jesus had to die. We know that he rose again. Joseph didn't have that. Are we prepared to say take the same level of risk as what he did on that day, knowing what we know? Are we prepared to, ridic- to be ridiculed by society because of our faith? Are we prepared to do, do whatever our Jesus asks us of, of us regardless of the cost? Are we prepared to experience discomfort, be exposed to the dirt of the world for the sake of the gospel? Well, tell you a story, I have uh, the privilege of being on a journey with Open Doors and uh, I don't know whether you know, Open Doors is, a, is an organisation that uh, ministers to the persecuted church worldwide. Um, and uh, I was in a meeting earlier this week and the, the president of Open Doors told this story, which is not a story because it's a testimony, uh, he was there himself. He tells a story about, uh, or his testimony, about visiting um, a village in Indonesia, where there were three ladies, uh, one medical doctor and two of her friends. They were Christians, had a small underground church, decided to start to do a, a, a Tuesday fun for the kids in the community. So just an hour and a bit of feeding them, letting them play, giving them a bit of a Bible story. As it happens, just down the road, there was a large Islamic. This Navi training center. So they were very soon attacked and accused of um, doing things against the rule of Allah. And, and he showed us an amateur video taken by someone who was there on their mobile phone when the court case happened and the lead up to the court case, just those few minutes around. And I mean, the the attack on those three ladies by the crowds shouting and calling for them to be sentenced to death because they started a playgroup for children. And they sit in this court, and before the court proceeding starts, there's chanting from the crowds, um, shouting Allah's name and just saying that He He rules and He demands death of these people that that have um, interfered with what was happening in that environment. The judges there didn't have a choice. They had to find these people guilty. They gave them a three-year sentence uh, to go to prison. So these three ladies go into prison. What they find there is just terrible. I mean, there's human excrement on the walls, and it's just a filthy, filthy place. The first thing they do is they ask the prison authorities for cleaning materials. And they start to clean the cells of the other prisoners. They share their food rations with others that have been in the prison for a long time, because they don't think they need it as much. On a specific day, watching the time here, uh, the, the prison warden comes and complains about pain and asks the medical doctor to look after him and she's saying, I can't, I'm struck off my licence because of this uh, of being in prison. But he keeps on asking for that. Um, She then looks, gives him a prescription, they pray for it. a few days later he's healed from whatever that was. The atmosphere in the prison changed. Now here's part of the miracle. The authorities in the prison then come to them, being aware of the Christian church that they have underground, and says, if you want to continue with your church, why don't you invite them to come into the prison? Do your service here and we will protect you. So, they then started to run a church in this prison. <laughs> Open doors through the UK government, appealed uh, to the government, uh, government of Indonesia, and they got the ladies released from prison after about two and a half years. Wow. Um, they were released on the Saturday. On the Monday, they went back, because they now had a church of 47 men <laughs> in prison. Um, there's, there's, there's more detail to it, because there's a prayer by these ladies when they go to prison. To, for, the, for God to protect the hearts of their children because they've now been, they will be ridiculed for their mother being put in prison, for a medical doctor, a high person in society being struck off because of that. They were prepared to step out, to face the risk, regardless of the cost to them. I um, in, in the same exchange, or well, actually the day before I was um, I was listening to a talk by Tom Holland, um, not Spider-Man, the other Um, He's a historian and author. I don't know if he wrote a book Dominion a few years ago, uh, which I can't recommend yet because I still need to read it. Uh, But part of what he talks about, he talks about the enormous impact of the day of crucifixion on life today. The question he challenged us with on the day was the fact that we need to de-westernize Christianity and de-christianize the West. And when he talks about that, it's it's fascinating to talk another day. But the thing that struck with me there, when people asked him about what it means to us, I mean, he comes out and he says, I don't understand why the church today are not more bold in taking this radical message Mm. that has changed the world forever out there. What are we afraid of? is his question to us it is the most profound message of salvation and freedom yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: and it's a message that I mean God protects us in that yes there's persecution today but why aren't we taking hold of that and really stepping up I'm at the risk of being controversial here but we should not be confused by human rights and um, the rights of minority groups and gender identity and Um, political correctness. Mm. Our Christian faith teaches us to be kind and care for those who are poor, Mm. for the orphans, the widows, those that cannot look after themselves, those that are marginalized within society. But let's be clear, it's not so much because they have a right, it's because we have a responsibility. Jesus tells us this. Let's go to the core of the message we have John 3, 16. we know that that was the plan that God made. He sent his only son so that he can be saved in that life. John 1, 12. everyone that calls on his name can be called a child of God. Matthew 22, love God with all that you have, love your neighbour with yourself. And then the great mission at the end of Matthew is to, for us to go out and take that message to all nations. Yeah. To baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and to teach them everything we know. That is what happened on those few days. We will get to the resurrection in the weeks to come. But do you understand what happened with Joseph on that day? He didn't know about the resurrection. But he was prepared to step out, take the risk, take the cost. Go public, because I believe he believed. Why are we so hung up by what the world thinks? The message of salvation is real. It is real. We have to take this radical message out there and not be ashamed of it. Let's own it. Let's be bold about it. And you know what? It's really not difficult. I really want to challenge you to find moments to pray for people in this week. Start there. You will encounter someone this week that is in need of prayer. And you know what? People actually don't mind being prayed for. So just be bold and ask, can I pray for you? And do that prayer. Let us trust Father God that he will give us moments where we can show his love and grace to people around us. We just need to be in his hands and feet and it's just so amazing and still not understandable that He does that and expect us to do that. But He does the miracles. We just need to be there to sow the seed. Before you spend all your money on Black Friday, <laughs> ask God if there's something else you need to do with the resources He's put in yes. there. Perhaps there's someone that will that blessing. Are you prepared? to bear the cost. I'm going to ask the band to come back and we will close off with a prayer, but I just want to take you here now, and that is to ask you where you are today. Are you prepared to risk your reputation on on social media to speak out for Jesus? Are we prepared to be more bold about what we do? As I said, you can pray for someone at work, at school, or wherever your week takes you. The opportunity is there. I want to remind you of Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, something that, uh, verses that came to us a lot uh, over the summertime when we were doing church up at uh, Oak Hall. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and prove what God's Word is. His good, pleasing, and perfect Word. As I say here on the slide, I I—I mean, feel that our calling for a living sacrifice should not be described as surrender, but as state of the yeah. And the reason is, as I put it, we sometimes think by surrendering, it's just cost and no benefit. Total commitment feels to me like reevaluating what God has done for us to really believe that and then go for it. Total commitment is not a surrender. Total commitment is full in because of, of what we believe I want to challenge you to be a Joseph of Arimathea. He identified with his Saviour in death. Even before the Resurrection, he believed in the coming Kingdom. He laid Jesus down in his tomb as a King, and in doing so, risked his reputation and his wealth. Are you going to be a Joseph of Arimathea this week? Let's be bold. Let's be bold and not afraid. stands and crawls. for your salvation, Father. And I just pray for each one in this room today. I pray for courage, I pray for boldness. Father, I pray that you will show each one of us at least one person this week, that we can be instrumental in showing them your love and your grace. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, our service comes to close the